When is the last time you listened to a podcast about web development, web design, and small business and didn't fall asleep? Yes, we cover web development, web design, and small business, but like actual human beings with personalities. If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran. That's right, everybody. We are back. This is episode something. I don't remember the episode name because we're recording a few in advance due to the holiday season. So it's episode something. And I'm pretty sure we got the last episode number wrong in the previous episode as well. So episode something. Check your local provider. Anyway, I don't know who that local provider would be or why they would have our episode number. But anyway, I'm Matt. That's Mike. And this week we're going to talk about the dark side of web development. That's the title of this episode. I'm also winging this introduction. I just didn't pull out my notes because I'm fired up as Mike. I was ranting about some stuff earlier and I'm all fired up and ready to go. Uh, So if this sounds interesting to you, but it's also dark and mysterious and a little depressing, but also the reality. Anyway, if you want to support the episodes like this, you can go check us out on that Patreon. Leave a review or rating on your podcast app. Join us in our Discord server. Share this with your friends. And now it is a me-heavy episode. So this is not really a mystery episode, although I was dealing with some uh, client stuff earlier and then didn't get the time to actually place the notes in our Google Drive. So I was on the go uh, and on the go, meaning I was going to the coffee maker. So I just wrote the notes on my phone really quick. And so I have the notes here. Mike is going in sight unseen, but this is not necessarily a mystery episode, although I guess it kind of is. But we're going to be covering... A few topics this week. So I'm just going to go over the topics. I normally don't do this anymore, but I'm going to go over the topics because there's like some key sort of quote unquote chapters that we're going to be talking about. And at the end of the day, what I'm basically discussing is, like I said, the dark side of web development. So it's the stuff that like you don't really want to hear about, but it's sort of like the uh, the the awkward thing in the room, like the thing no one really wants to talk about uh, or the thing that a lot of influencers, uh, you know, rightly so don't want to portray because it's not exactly the happiest uh, most friendly things that happen in the industry, but I am going to be talking about them here. Uh, the first one is entitled, the first section here is entitled The Slog. The second one is Their Vision, Their Product, Their Say. And the last one here is Thankless. So a uh, reason why I want to do that is, the reason why I want to go through those sections is because if you really don't want to hear about The Slog, but you really like that second segment, you can just kind of hopefully sift through and find it uh, and go through it that way. But let's kick this off right now. So if we go right into the first section, the slog, you know, engineering, developing and deploying can often be uh, can, can oftentimes become less about making the new exciting thing. You know, you're all fired up. You're making the new exciting thing. and You want to engineer the solution, try it out. You get it working. Then you put it out there. It becomes less about that over time sometimes, and it becomes more about fixing and maintaining what exists. So a lot of developers, you know, they they get excited over building new things for themselves or for their clients. They think, wow, you know, we're going to be we're going to be revolutionizing this thing or, hey, we're we're finally refreshing this form or, whoa, we're making a, a brand new website for a brand new company, those type of things. And this vision is often, you know, it often includes that they'll be making exciting new products. They'll be creating new experiences and maybe innovating some older, let's say, less tech savvy fields, bringing them into basically the 21st century. So something that 
was always like a mom and pop shop that didn't ship online and didn't even have an online presence. Even giving them something like a Google card, like the Google My Business card, is a huge thing for them. And we, we've done that for a couple local businesses. And that's actually been a, a game changer, seriously, a game changer for their business. Um, so, you know, you, you, a lot of developers will kind of dream of this or they want to do this. They want to be bringing people into this new era and they want to be making new exciting things. But this is kind of utopian, right? So sadly, this utopian uh, vision can often be disrupted or completely squashed by the reality of how projects are made and maintained. So for example, smaller companies, smaller companies are not able to have their own support team, usually due to budget and due to the, due to budget constraints, but also just the fact that they probably don't even have enough really, enough work really to, to dictate a 24 seven or even a, an eight hour support team. And so that responsibility of support falls upon the most related department, leaving many technical support requests at the feet of the development team. Because if someone comes to you and says, Hey, you install the curbside pickup thing for me and it's not working. And the, it goes to, let's say the, the, the face of the company. So, uh, the, you know, the web, the web form, if you're really, really small and there is no face, or maybe you, they call to some sort of, uh, they call to some sort of, uh, call center, not necessarily a call center, but a single person who then says, Oh, you know, that, that sounds like a technical issue. I'll forward that to the development team rather than it going to a support team that goes through tickets and everything else. So all these sort of requests kind of land at your feet as a developer sometimes. And that can go really, really against what you're in it for right now, everyone's in it for a different thing. But in general, a lot of, out of the conversations we've had, a lot of people want to jump in, they're excited, and they want to get the new thing out. They want to build the new thing. They want to build something that's cool. They want to be passionate about it. And no one is passionate about support, or at least very few people or no one I've talked to is passionate about support. And so you being, you know, oh, yeah, let's build this new podcast app to, hey, you know, someone tapping on your shoulder hey, someone needs help with their curbside pickup thing. It, you know, it's not, uh, it's not registering the number correctly. That's when it starts getting a little bit like, oh, like here we go type of thing. So it kind of crushes that, it kind of crushes that utopian vision or view that I was mentioning before. And it effectively, it effectively becomes the slog. And it, large projects are also kind of susceptible to this. So large projects and especially old code, big or small projects with old code, are often more about keeping the old stuff alive rather than making new features and improving UX. Usually there's such a leaning, uh, you know, leaning tower of Pisa, if you will, or a house of cards of features and various uh, compatibilities that have gone into a project that is years and years old, sometimes decades old, and therefore you know, it's slow moving. Maybe the company's really big. The project's really big. It's slow moving to get new features or they just don't care about new UX. It's like, Hey, you know, people are complaining about our X procedure, but like we don't have the budget or maybe we just don't want to change it because we know that if someone's using internet Explorer, some random old version of internet Explorer, that it might break that login screen and we have to support that. This is a big old project. We don't want to have a bunch of support tickets coming in that we broke something. So these large, these larger projects, and these older projects can, not always, but can be susceptible to stuff like this. It can be the slog, once again, it could be the slog of let's try to keep this alive, let's try to keep this alive, rather than, hey, let's innovate this, hey, this is this is clunky. 
So often these projects, you know, have a bad or outdated UX user experience that can make even simple tasks difficult for users. And this causes actually more support requests than expected. And that goes, once again, it could directly, depending on the size of the company, it could come to you. Hey, we have a support request. We have a support request or support request. And now you're basically IT. Now there's nothing wrong with being an IT, but that's not what you're there for. You're, you, chances are there to, like I said, build that new thing. And you're constantly being pulled down by, Hey, someone doesn't know how to sign in. Hey, Hey, like someone doesn't know how to use the, like the tilde key or whatever. Like it's just always something. And it becomes that the slog. Oh, like here we go again. Something else, something else, something else. So that's sort of my conclusion on the first part of the slog. You know, it's, it's, it's an, it's an obvious section. It's not super depressing or anything, but it is the reality. There's a lot of realities that go into web development, but also any project. And what you can end up, what can end up happening is projects can end up being, you know, slowed down by too many cooks in the kitchen, if you will, too many people wanting things changed. You can have, you can have old software, like I said, or you can also just generally, generally not be excited about your work because the work itself is not exciting. Sitting there maintaining a government software that's 15 years old, that's barely hanging on and you're, you know, effectively strapping parts onto the thing, just holding onto it, trying to tape it together and keep it all together. Uh, it can, it's a slog and, and it, and it is a part of this industry. It's something to consider. And it's something that a lot of people will say, Hey, you know, became a slog. So I moved on and that's easier said than done. And I will touch on that, uh, in the next section. Yeah. Uh, I agree with like the, the slog part is going to happen no matter what, you know what I mean? You could be working on the most interesting project ever, but like you said, it could get to a phase where you're just supporting it and the support could be a slog and it could happen in other ways as well, where let's say you're trying to get into the industry and you take, you know, your first job, whatever job comes up, that could be an agency. And in the agency, what they could do is they don't really care about advancing you as an individual. They don't really care about what, you know, what kind of developer you're going to become, what they need from you now is X amount of work into in a certain thing. And I'm not saying this about every agency. This is not a blanket statement. I'm just saying this could be a situation that you find yourself in where when you get to work, they're going to teach you how to make a WordPress form, for instance. And then you're going to be in charge of making all the WordPress forms for every single client that they have. And you're just going to make a form every day, like, or you're just going to make forms nonstop because you're that guy there or that girl. And that in itself is a slog. You're putting, you're, they're putting you in like a factory position when you're a developer. A developer, when you're getting into it, is someone that solves problems. You're constantly doing something new. That's what, that's what I hear when I think of developer, uh, right? And a lot of the times that's not the case. Like a lot of the times you're going to be put into a position where you're going to have to do the same thing over and over again. You could even be put in a position where you have to do a data entry because you have to do some sort of, you know, data set to to see if it works and they don't want to spend time or money on, uh, you know, getting a data entry person. So you're the developer, you're doing data entry. There's going to be parts of your job, even if you have the best job in the world, that are going to be a slog. Now, when the slog starts outweighing the interesting parts, in my opinion, that's when you have to start looking to see if this is what, something that you want to do. Not everyone has the opportunity to start moving jobs. Not everyone has the opportunity to quit. I'm not saying do that because it's just unrealistic to say it as a blanket statement for everyone. But I am saying that as a developer, when you have that experience initially, the, the field is very, very 
crazy right now in the sense that like it's looking for people with experience all over the place. Junior developers, yes, they have a hard time getting in. That's going to be the case probably moving forward. It's not an easy it's not an easy position to get. But once you're a developer, not a junior developer, you're an intermediate, a senior developer, there are opportunities out there for you. So if you find yourself in a place where you're in a slog and it's a nonstop slog, whether it's what Matt's saying, where you're just supporting your old stuff with like IT tickets, like you're essentially working IT for whatever reason, or it's just like you're doing the same thing over and over again that you don't want to do. Uh, the comp- You know what I mean? Like it's just a slog. Start looking slowly and start looking immediately. You know what I mean? Like just just go out there and start getting your resume up, up, up to date, start looking at the job boards locally and start picking something that you do want to try. And I'm not saying that that job that you're going to take is going to be amazing, right? Like the new, a new job is going to fix all your problems. It's not. Like the, re- the reality is, is that the new job could suck. But you can take some time and vet it. You can, you can take some time and choose because you have that you have a job already, like it's paying the bills and everything. So take some time for yourself and try to find something that actually interests you. And then try it. Like I'm, take that risk if you can. So yes, there is a negative side to the slog, 100%. And I think I, I don't think this is a web development only thing. Like I think any job, you're going to be a lawyer, there's going to be a lot of slogging. You're going to be a doctor. There's probably a ton of paperwork that you have to do that no one wants to do. It's just one of those things that like, it's part of the job, but you need to weigh it out to see how much of it you can take. I, I'd say 100%. You know, there it, it. I like how you mentioned that it, it, it's inevitable because even just something as simple as the HTML of the things website, uh, you know, obviously it's just a sort of a basic website and we're gearing up for making more content. I have a couple of articles planned and such. And so we went and went ahead and we got uh, we got Google ads approved and I'm trying to put ads on there. I think I've said that before. And I was just trying to get it to work with our cookie pop-up. And it, that was a slog. It was a pain. It was a pain really just realistically trying to get it to work. Cause it wasn't working the way it said. And then, you know, Google has a couple new features that were made probably after the, after the cookie pop-up, uh, plugin was, uh, was made effectively a plugin. There's no official plugins for Webflow, but it was a, it was a, it's, it's a slog, you know, it's a pain. It's not like I'm, I'm not passionate about my cookie pop-up. I'm not passionate about putting in my Google ads. I want to make content and I want that content to be monetized to a certain degree. And then there's also the whole Webflow thing where some stuff wasn't just straight up would not work in Webflow. And now I got it working, but it's kind of like not working the way I wanted to. So I might have to go and make my own plugin down the road, but this is good enough for now type of thing, which I have not published yet. And it, it, it's a slog or as of reading this, like you, you might be there now, but it's, it's, it's a slog and every project becomes a slog. And like Mike said, you know, if you can take the risk and jump to another position that, you know, will kind of make you passionate again or, you know, drive you, then of course. But the thing to keep in mind is, is that every job, every job, excuse me, does become a slog at some point. You shouldn't just be jumping because like, oh man, like I really don't want to do data entry this week. So I'm out of here. Maybe that you just, maybe you just need to do data entry that week and then maybe it'll pick back up because you're not going to like every part of your job. Like I hate. And I've said this a million times, I hate accounting. And all I've done over the past years is learn better ways to manage it for myself, time manage it, yada, yada, make it so that it's easier on myself, make little templates in QuickBooks and yada, yada to make it easier for me. But I still hate it. I'm not going to like quit doing everything and go get a regular job because I hate using QuickBooks. And I just, and it's nothing against QuickBooks. I just hate accounting in general. 
So it's just something to keep in mind that the slog is inevitable and that, you know, it will happen. But if it sticks around for too long or forever, maybe it's time for a change. The next section here, their vision, their product, their say. So if you're not making your own product, chances are you're making products for other people. So in this case, your customers, right? And when you work for customers in this way, your vision is almost always not going to be the same as theirs. This leads to many decisions that you have to implement, but you disagree with those decisions. You may not agree with the nav bar, say having a hundred links, but the customer wants it. And you're responsible for putting those 100 links in place. You have to build that nav bar and put those 100 links in there. Even your consult. So if you go to them and you say, man, this is too many links. This is out of control. You know, I'm, this is a consultation at this point. Like, hey, in my professional opinion, this is too many links. You may know with near certainty that those 100 nav bar links is just way too much. Like, you know it. It's not like this is your opinion. It's like it is your opinion, but like it's really, really backed up, right? They might just not care. You might provide all this proof and really show it to them. And they just say, no, too bad. And then you go in and you have to do it anyway. So here's the slog, right? You go in, you put the nav bar together. You put the 100 links in there. You get it all tested. You push it to production. And the feedback from users, the people using the site, is abysmal. So then the customer contacts you and wants you to reduce the 100 nav bar links that you just pushed in there. This type of thing, this type of situation happens all the time. And because the user feedback may be abysmal, the customer, your customer, might actually be angry at you. Might be like, hey, what the hell, man? Like, this is horrible. Completely ignoring the fact that you consulted them and and you were like, hey, I told you that we shouldn't do this. And you don't want it to start becoming an argument like that. Like, hey, I told you and you did this and, and becomes this big I told you so argument. But that's really sometimes what the situation is. And where I'm not saying you should argue with customers, it's going to suck. Like having to implement something that you know people are going to hate, have them hate it, have the customer then contact you, angry or not, and tell you, hey, you need to redo this. It's just, it's just, it's a slog. And and it's conflicting with their, with your vision. Their vision is conflicting with your vision. And enough situations like this can completely kill a developer's drive, making them simply a cog in the machine with no opinion past what work order they're working on. We've seen this. I've seen this several times. You can see this in in uh, just talking with people who just say, ah, I don't care what they do. You know, they just tell me what to do and I just do it. Now, some people like that type of job and that's the way they, they, they want to do it. And that's fine. But you can, you can see the difference when someone is, let's say, new to a job. They just get out of school or something. They're like, hey, let's go do this. Let's go do this. And they're all excited about it. They get there. And then a few years down the line, you know, you, you see them, you talk to them. And they're just sort of like, ah, you know, those guys don't know what to do. Like, you know, I'll just do whatever they say. And then I'm sure it'll break. And then I'll just have to do overtime. Like, you can see how kind of passive and how uh, dismissive they become. They're just sort of there for the work order, there for the paycheck. And they don't really have the drive to try to improve stuff anymore because their advice maybe has fallen on you know, deaf ears effectively too many times. It's it, There's been too many times where they've been ignored. It's been, it's been too many times that they've tried to, like they've been, they've been constantly said, Hey, I need you. You know, I, I need you to listen to this. Like this is going to break the website. Don't care. Just do it. Okay. Do it. What the hell? Why is that broken? That's the type of stuff that you might experience with some clients. 
And we've experienced our fair share of this with clients. We've experienced people call us unprofessional. We've, we've had people be like, I thought you guys were professionals and this and that and the other thing when something goes wrong. When in reality, it was like, Hey, we told you that this wasn't going to work or we told you that we didn't know how to do this or whatever the situation was. And you pushed it and you said, no, just do it. Dismissing it, thinking that we're trying to be lazy or we're trying to work less hours and still get the same paycheck or whatever the situation is. The situation is that you told them that you didn't want to do something or that like you gave them proper professional consultation and they didn't take it and now they're taking it out on you. Now, there's situations, of course, where they're not going to take it on you, where they might call you and say, hey, you know what? The 100 nav bar link idea was stupid. You know, it's my bad. Can you can you please fix it? And that's obviously a better situation to be in than your client being or your customer being really mad at you. But the problem is that you are still the person doing the the legwork. You you went and you did all this stuff and then you put all these links in, you built the nav bar so that it would accommodate 100 links and then you you put it all together and then you tested it and then you pushed it. So you did all that. Now you got to go in and fix it up, probably redesign it. Then you got to test it again and then you got to push it out again. And then you got to hope that they like it because they might not even like the 50 link one that you put out or the 10 link one or whatever it is. And so there's going to be this constant push and pull when you knew deep down that that was a, a bad decision to make in the first place. So it, it's something to, it's something to consider, um, when becoming a developer. If, if you're a developer because you want to be a, a creator and you want to create things that you think would be cool, maybe try to find a project that you align with. You know, if you really, really love streaming, maybe you want to work at Twitch. If you really, really love, uh, you know, YouTube for whatever reason, maybe you want to work at YouTube. And so you can kind of like some of these, some of these situations that may happen to you where, you know, you say to YouTube, Hey, I don't want to like, I, I think the title should still appear in YouTube for whatever reason this is made up says, well, just remove the titles. No one wants to see the titles. And then you do it and it's like, Oh, that sucks. That those type of things might bounce off you because you're passionate about YouTube and you really want YouTube to continue. You just took, you had the perfect opportunity to bash them on the dislike thing. Uh, I know very little about that, actually, to be honest with you. I know they removed a number or something. I, I use YouTube like, like on, on a console. So I don't really like look at YouTube too often. I just kind of like boot YouTube up and go like, oh, I'll watch that video, click it. And then I, that's it. I don't, I don't like things. I don't really subscribe to people much. That's just the way it is. I don't know. Well, guaranteed developers reject, like didn't reject, but they pushed back on the dislike button being removed 100% because, or not removed, but the dislike counter being hidden. Um, because like if you're looking for a tutorial on, this is a little bit of a tangent, but if you're looking for a tutorial on YouTube and you go to a tutorial and it has like, you know, a, a ridiculous amount of dislikes compared to likes, you're not going to watch that tutorial. It's, it's a way of weeding out bad content. Now, it can have 100 likes and 3,000 dislikes you would never know. So you're going to have to watch it to figure out. And if you if you don't know better, you would never be able to figure that out. And you might just watch a bad tutorial, learn the, the, the bad way of doing it, and continue on. So guaranteed there was pushback on this. Guaranteed there was this exact situation that you're just describing right now. And guaranteed YouTube was like, we don't care, just do it. And there's, there's a massive amount of outlash because of it. And the outlash, again, is not directed towards the developers for the most part. Um, but it's still kind of, you know, so, like you're working there and now all these people are angry and you're like, well, now people are kind of angry at me in proxy. So it's still kind of a shitty situation. It's still shitty, but like, I guess the point I'm trying to make is that if you're passionate about YouTube as a developer, more situations will bounce off 
chances are you're going to be like, okay, we're, we, you know, we're going to fix it because you care about the product. Yeah. You know, we're going to fix it. We got to go, you know, we, we got to tell the, the higher ups that this was a bad idea or whatever. But if you don't care about the product and you're just there working on, I don't know, an email form to collect like newsletters for anyone, it's like the simple, it's like a really simple form and it's boring. And that's your, that's your job. And like somebody has like a small complaint or something, you're going to be like, oh, like now I got to change the font. Like what, are, you know, what are we doing here? That type of stuff. So, you know, try to find something that you're passionate in. Or if, like I said, if you're a creator that like, if you're a creator, if you're a creator that's wanting to be passionate about something, you can work for a company that, you're, that you, you can tangle with, if you will, like the Twitch and the YouTube example. But if you want to create, you know, maybe it's best that you just create yourself. And we've seen people like Theo, like he, he went off and he's doing his own thing now. And you have that, like, that is a, a way to do it. You could say, you know what? No, I want creative control. I'm, I want to create stuff. I want to have pride in my work. And that's what I want to do. And I'd actually like to pose a question to you, Mike. And the jury is still out on this one in my brain. So when you're working on someone else's project, do you think you should have pride in your work? That's a good question. It's a it's a deep discussion, but overall, I would say yes, you should have pride in what you do for that project. Now, like you just mentioned pretty extensively, a lot of the times that pride will diminish very quickly if all of your suggestions and all of your thoughts go on deaf ears, right? So if if you're constantly you have pride you're constantly trying to formulate this product and create the best version of it and you're giving your input as much as you possibly can and every time that you give your input it's either hostile like where they don't want to hear it or it's just disregarded completely that pride will and should diminish that's just how it is so i think there is a certain pride that you have when you're developing a product that lists that is just a great product o- overall obviously there's going to be some negatives and positives just like with everything but overall you're very you ha- you're happy with what the users are getting there's going to be pride there because you put your work in you 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 made that feature like personally i i've seen it myself like i i'm working on a um, a small little nft project for a company and we released this this little profile picture generator, whatever. It's uh, it's a small little web app. And when I see people using the web app, I have a little bit of pride. It's not my project. But the whole development process, start to finish, was very like community input heavy, was very developer input heavy. So I, I had a lot of say in what happened. And the, the final product is something that like together with the team, we created and made a really nice output of it. And yes, I have tons of pride in that. If it was the opposite, where I was just listening to either the community or listening to the develop like the the owners, and them telling me to do things that shouldn't be done, in my opinion, I wouldn't I wouldn't care, like I wouldn't even check, like, honestly, like I would not even check if it was doing okay. Now I, I, I go in, and I check every day, making sure that people are okay, there's no complaints. That's just something that I take pride in. And that's something that I think can be can be beneficial for a company. You yes, you're you're correct in that way. Like we have a couple of projects where you know where the it, it, the like like I said, the jury's still out. Where we have a couple of projects that we're working on where 
we do want to have pride in our work and we want to have, you know, cool little features added in, like you're saying. But then we also have projects where it's a pure like, hey, you know, like we're kind of here for the money, as bad as that sounds. It's like we're just kind of here for the money. And you can almost see that, but that's what the relationship is. Whether the person is very specific in what they need and they just don't care about our input. And so we are just literally a cog in the machine and that's what they want us to be, then fine. But there's a couple of projects there where we have, Mike mentioned one, I'm working on one where we'll go in there and actually make suggestions. We, I have most recently, I built out a feature for a, for a client and I went against what they said in the call, not fully, not crazy, but they said they wanted it presented in a certain way and I presented it in a different way. Now I made it easy enough for me to just pop it out of the one page, put it into the other, the other way that they wanted it, but I just gave it to them. I didn't say anything. I just said, this is what I built. Here you go. Here's the test link, you know, the standard, here you go, check, test this out email. And they messaged me and they said, Hey, like in the call, we said we want it this way. Why, you know, why is it this way? And I just explained myself and I think the jury is still out with them because they haven't messaged me in a few days. They're probably discussing it because I took pride in it. I I was, I am pretty proud of the work we've done so far. And I wanted to do something a little bit different the way I think that it will work better for them. I think in this particular case, the way I built this particular feature, it's better for SEO. And I just literally told them verbatim, this is what I think. But don't worry, if we want to do it your way, it's just a couple of days, I'm just going to go and basically I made everything super modular so I can pop the features out of one page and plop it into another. Not a big deal, but this is honestly the way I see it. This is the use case that I see for it. And here's some of the examples that I would use this for. And I think, like I said, I think the jury's still out. They haven't messaged me at all, so maybe they just haven't read it yet. But it's not like it was an immediate, hey, do it this way. It was like, hey, you know, why Why was it like kind of why was it done this way type of thing? Or like, hey, like during the meeting, we said to do it this way. Is that, you know, is that not, you know, like I'm correct in saying I wanted it done this way, right? But it wasn't like a, hey, you know, this is wrong or whatever. So it's like it, it like that me having pride in the project brings an idea to the table. And and now hopefully they're debating it and they're discussing it. And they're like, hey, should we do it this way? Should we not do it that way? And it and it helps. But having pride in your work, this is why my the jury's still out in my own head is having pride in 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 the work that I'm doing for someone else can just blow up in your face. Hey, I like I think we should do it this way. No, take it out. I don't want it that way. And and it's that abrupt sometimes. And if you have a client that's that specific, it's just not even worth like it comes to a point where it's like, okay. Like, I'm just going to do whatever you say. I'm the web developer. You're the designer or whatever. I don't care now. So if I see like a glaring problem short of a bug, like a glitch, and I, but I see a glaring problem like, hey, this is taking eight actions and it should only take two. I'm not going to help you with that because I'm going to mention it. You're not going to say anything to me back or you're just going to say, no, it's fine. And then in six months, you're going to realize it later and say, hey, this should be less steps. Fix it. And it's like, well, Okay. So that's why, that's why the jury's still out in my head. It's like, it's someone else's project. So like, eh, like, you know, they have the final say, but it's like, but having pride in your work and like putting the extra effort in helps. Jury's still out. And I'd love to hear your opinion, the listener, your opinion. You hit us up on the social media with what you think, what, what, with what you think uh, about that situation. Cause it's a bit of a weird one, bit of a philosophical one. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I think it, it always is going to be, it depends on the client and on the, uh, the job, essentially. Like, are, yes. are they listening to you? Are they willing to get your feedback? Are you proud in the product? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's never going to be a blanket statement. Like, always be proud of your work. It's just not realistic. 
Exactly. That's the thing is, is like, I don't like if you're working on a website where you just do not care about headphones and this is like headphone world, you know, some big headphone world website or something, I don't know. You know, you're not going to care. <laughs> you're probably not going to care. But if you're really about UX, you might like, you know, that type of thing. It really depends on the situation and it really depends on the client. Yeah, exactly. I think one more thing I want to mention real quick with this is that even if you were to build your own product, I think you you need to expect to do things a certain way, even if it's against your, the grain. Sorry, one sec. <coughs> Damn, I am I'm, I'm feeling under the weather. I'm sorry, everyone. Uh, but essentially, you, you want to, you're going to expect to do things a certain way sometimes, even if it's not something that you want to do, because the community is going to tell you. So when you don't have a client telling you or when you don't have a job like a boss telling you, there's still going to be some of that negative impact of like, you know, I know this is better. I, I can use this better, but no one uses it this way because the way the general public uses something is very different mindset wise and utility wise than the way you do something most of the time because you're a developer. So you're going to have to conform to the way the general public does it, which is also going to kind of piss you off. It's a negative of the job. It's a negative of UX and UI design. It's just the reality. Like, some people hate the bottom bar. Some people hate the the hamburger menu. Some people, you know what I mean? Like there's just certain elements of the UI, UX that people hate, but they're forced to do. The pop-up is the perfect example. If you're making a product that relies on like a newsletter subscription, it really relies on it and you're making it for the general pu- public, the pop-up for newsletter subscriptions after an X amount of time on your website is proven to do really well. And if your livelihood, the product's success relies on that, you might have to implement some of those dark patterns into your product just to survive. And again, that's going to be one of those ethical decisions that you make with yourself and the audience and the community that um, is just, it's just part of it. So again, this is the dark side of the of web development. It's one of those things that you're just going to have to accept. It's not every time and there's a lot of control you obviously have and there's ways around it, but it's just one of the things. Yes, absolutely. And uh, with that, let's move on to the final the final segment here. And this is uh, Thankless. That's the name of the segment. Now, I would do have a disclaimer in here. This segment largely deals with uh, toxic workplace elements. And recently, there's been some serious allegations regarding sexual misconduct and, and more uh, within development studios. This section is not addressing those concerns. This section is talking about uh, just pure like toxic workplace stuff, something like uh, overworking uh, crunch time, those type of things. So I just want to be clear that I'm not ignoring those other things, but I'm not addressing those other of other very serious allegations in this section. I just want to be clear. Okay, disclaimer end. Okay, so more recently, some gaming developers, gaming developer studios, have been getting into hot water with the public for their treatment of developers, specifically crunch time, long hours, and alongside other toxic work conditions. And these same, these same conditions can infect a web development agency rather easily, pushing web developers into long hours, minimal days off, and sometimes an endless crunch cycle. While many people will argue that you should just leave your job if this happens or fight for a better workplace where you are, this is certainly easily, more, more easily, excuse me, said than done. It can be especially painful if you're invested in the work that you're doing. I mean, maybe you like agree with their cause. Like maybe you're working for, I don't know, a charity or something and you're helping this charity out 
And they're, you know, all of a sudden they start putting like crunch time on you. Like, oh, you got to work more, work more, work more, work more, work more. And you're like, man, I don't want to leave this place. Like, I believe in this cause, but like, damn, like I'm getting screwed over here, you know, or, you know, they're working on um, uh, a web app that like coincides with your out of work passion. Like, oh, I'm working on a gaming website. And I, you know, I'm super passionate about gaming, but like they, they just won't give me any days off. I'm not even working on the, like I'm working over the weekend. Like what's going on here? Like what's happening here? And so it's hard to leave those jobs. Now, this can also affect people who, you know, do not work in agencies. So there's a lot of really common work here, like such as freelancers and solo contractors, super common work situation is what I meant to say, super common work situations uh, in our field in web development. And they can be subject to much of the same treatment. Even if they work home solo, customers can be very overbearing, only contacting you when there are problems, constricting you to a small budget, which means low pay usually, and demanding your time whenever they need it. So that goes for agency workers, solo freelancers, solo work from home people, contractors, the whole bit. You got to deal with these customers. At the end of the day, many of these situations just end up being thankless, right? I always, I've heard that several times when working in IT, they're like, this is a thankless job. This is a thankless job. I heard that over and over again. And it wasn't like people hated their jobs, but it was like, they were warning me like, Hey, just remember, like, you're not like necessarily going to get like thanked and like loved for helping fix someone's computer. It can be a thankless, it can be a thankless position. So let's just say a customer comes to you and says, you know, fix this now. So you jump to your feet like, holy crap, I got to get this done. You're panicking and you're rushing through a fix, rushing to your computer. Maybe it even interrupted your some off work time plans, right? And you're freaking out. You're trying to get it to work and you get it working. And then you message the angry angry client that you're triumphant. Hey, I, 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 I fi- fixed this. It's working now. Look how good it's working. And they just don't reply. And But they do what they will reply or they will send you a message the next time they have trouble. So that's an example of being of a thankless thing, of a thankless situation. Also, unrealistic deadlines that you fight against, forcing you to crunch for hours. This sometimes even gets met with negativity. So, for example, you crunch for hours and hours, and then you're met with complaints and disdain at some of the features that are clearly rushed. Hey, this could be this could be smoother. Hey, that doesn't run well. Why doesn't it do this like this? Or maybe the project is just dismantled altogether. You're crunching, 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 crunching. They call you up. Yeah, we don't need that website. And then they just they hang up the phone. And then you didn't even push it to production. You just left there. It's like, well, good. And some people will argue in, in these situations that, you know, you're being paid. It's like, sure. But like, I, it's not like you're going to go to your local furniture store, pick up a chair, spit on the employee and then leave. <laughs> and then it's like, yeah, but you're getting paid and you spat on them. You know what I'm trying to say? It's like, you, there's a human element to dealing with humans and we could be a little more human together. And we're all guilty of it too. Like I'll forget to eat, like some big issue happens. I email support. They say, Hey, you know, we did a fix. Let me know. And I just completely forget to let them know. It wasn't nefarious. It was just, I forgot, but I feel bad. It's like, damn, I should have probably said thank you or something. So there's a bit of a human element to this stuff that like sometimes gets missed and gets taken as thanklessness. Dealing with support requests from users. You know, you're dealing with people that are having issues and are probably already pissed off or angry, and they only want you to fix the issue. They don't care about anything else. Fix this issue now. Do it now. I want this fixed now. I tried to log in and I can't fix it now. I I tried to uh I tried to get my keyboard working and I couldn't fix it now. Give me a new keyboard now. My mouse doesn't work. Give me a new, new mouse. My monitor stopped working. Give me another mouse. Give me another monitor right now. 
a lot of these situations that I just labeled are thankless. And you can sometimes work yourself to the bone to fix them or to, you know, appease these angry people or these people that are overbearing. And you can sometimes get no feedback and no thanks. And it really sucks. And that's why I wanted to mention it because a lot of people will think, hey, I'm working with customers like it's going to be a great time. There's people that are yelling, I was at a Wendy's one time and this this person was screaming at the staff in the back. Wasn't even screaming at the at, at the person running the cash register. She was screaming at the people in the back yelling, you shouldn't be that far behind. Like asking them about like how long it's going to take this and that. And then screaming at them. Like there's a, there's like, there's different people in this world. There's been people that are angry. People are happy. People are this and that. But when it comes to having a problem, you know, you sometimes take the brunt of it. And even when, you know, it's something where they're not angry, they're just like, hey, I need this fixed. And you, you're panicking and you're freaking out and you're trying to get that thing fixed and you finally get it fixed. They might just not answer you. And sometimes that stings. And that's the dark side of web development. (laughs) Yeah, that is the dark side of web development. I think there's a lot of like this kind of thanklessness in the industry. Um, And it's just, it's, it's become kind of too much of a part of it where you can, put out a product out there and get only negative feedback, even though you know that a bunch of people are using it positively. Um, it's one of the, like, it, it's a really, it's a really difficult one to solve because it's part of user, like just user interaction in general. Like you said, we don't comment positively very often. So people, we don't have, they, it's tough to get that kind of feedback. So whatever you're doing, uh, you're not, it's almost like you can expect to, get one positive feedback for every like 20 negative kind of like that in in a way. Um, the other thing is the crunch times. I think that's becoming more and more prevalent rather than going the other way. Um, development is difficult, really difficult. Managing developers is also a very, very difficult job. And setting a time frame around that has proven now to be a problem. Like, and, and as bad as it is, it's like, most projects, yeah, they have a time frame. Most projects are reproducibly possible to have a time frame uh, outside of web development or outside of development in general. But development is a very tricky thing where a lot of the times it's very difficult to predict. So you can predict something and give it as much padding as you want. But there could be a situation where in game development, for instance, you get you go down a certain path and all of a sudden you realize you just can't do it this way. Or if you do it this way, it's going to limit who can play the game or whatever. So you have to rebuild a feature from the ground up. That's happened multiple times. And that's like one of the biggest causes of, web, of, of the crunch for game for game development is like they have to rebuild the engine. And like it, how are you supposed to account for that? It's not something you can predict. It's not something, you know, like no matter how good your developers are, no matter how good your management is, it's not something you can predict because it's an ever-evolving industry. You're developing for PS5, then you're developing for PS4 as well. Like it's just there's so many variables that putting a set deadline from the start to end of a project is, I, I would say, a fool's game at this point in, de- in the development sphere. A better way to do it is figuring out how a team works together and optimizing the work that they're doing at that current moment. That will lead to a better result in the end and a faster output, in my opinion, than putting a deadline and letting the team run its course and try to get to that deadline. I've personally seen it. Like I'm trying, like I, 
my thing right now is I'm managing a couple of different teams, small teams, and I'm trying my best to stop the crunch and to just leave it in the team's hands uh, to just just literally give them as much resources and a, as much guidance to get to a, a final product. And obviously what helps is limiting scope. So making so that there's phased releases. Matt and I have talked about that many times on the podcast where instead of releasing all the features all at once, you release it in alpha, beta, you know, like all in, in, in phases so that you can get something out there. You can start getting feedback and you can continue building what you want to build without the pressure of release. You know what I mean? So those are the things that you have to take into mind. Unfortunately, that's just not the reality with a lot of the industry. I know there's definitely some companies that are taking this approach, but it's like it's like the four or the four day work week. It's just it, it's just becoming a possibility. And async work, for instance, it's just becoming like a factor. It's just becoming something that's that companies are doing. And this like no deadline approach is also one of those little things that really do make a really does make a huge difference or a rolling deadline or something like a flexible deadline. You know what I mean? Like something where you, you don't have that imminent thing approaching and you don't have to spend 12 hours a day. Like if people get sick, like a lot of the times these deadlines don't take that into effect. People get sick all the time. You need to take a couple of days off. You can't because you have a deadline approaching. That's why there shouldn't be this hard deadline. There shouldn't be this like thing. What should happen? I'm going on a little bit of a rant and, and just like my musings. This is not like there's no research into this as well. What I think sh- could happen is, you know how like you need a deadline for the marketing department to work with. So the marketing department knows how much ramp up they need to do before the deadline comes out. Finish a portion of the product and then start setting those deadlines. Finish phase one and be like, this is something we can technically release. 100%. It's a, it's a full product that can be released. We'd love to get A, B, and C into it. And so we're going to try, but at least we can release something. So now let's set the deadline. There's ways around it is what I'm saying. Yes, it's... Um, <clears throat> I think you've just summed it up. <laughs> I was going to add a comment, but I think you're, I think, I think you're, you know, you're spot on. Um, I think that, you know, it sums up, it sums up the thanklessness. It's, uh, it's a disconnect between, you know, especially in the bigger studios, talking specifically about gaming, because I follow that in news, uh, fairly uh, often. Is it, you know, it's a disconnect between the, the marketing guys, the publishers, and the developers. And if you see, you know, products come out. If you're big into gaming, you know that there's been disasters that have come out uh, because of rush deadlines or poor management or what have you. Most recently, just in terms of disastrous, uh, you know, launches, the new GTA Definitive Trilogy or whatever they call it, that has been released to much uh, conflict, this and that. But then you also have released recently or about to be released uh, as of recording this, the uh, Halo campaign, which is loved almost universally, nines and tens across all the board with a lot of the critics, that team was given an additional year. And that year hurt them. It hurt them in that it they had a new console come out last year. And obviously you want Halo, the big flagship console comes out and the big flagship series comes out together. And they knew that they couldn't release Halo in a bad state. 
And I know there's some people that don't like the multiplayer, this and that. I'm not here for that. The point of the matter is, is they gave that team another year and that experience is super polished. And there's still features they cut out so they could ignore them, whether you agree with that or not. And there's going to be stuff that comes like co-op and maybe mission replays or whatever. There's going to be more stuff that comes to it. But they, they, what they had and what they built and what their goal was and talking about the campaign is they really polished it. And the same thing goes for a website. You don't necessarily have a publisher, but if you're in a larger company, you certainly may have a marketing department. Hey, we need this website up right now because there's going to be a Thanksgiving sale and we need that up for Black Friday right now, right now, right now, right now. So now what are you going to do? You're going to panic and run around like a fool. And you're going to be like, holy crap, what do I do? What do I do? Effectively. And you start throwing things together. Okay, get that WordPress plugin, go that over here, do this and that. And it just becomes a disaster. And then what happens? You kind of get the audience, the users. They like, they're like, this is horrible. You know, this is horrible. This is rushed. It's clearly rushed. Like, what the hell? And then you as the developer kind of take the flack. You take that thanklessness and you're like, man, like I worked my butt off. Like it's a miracle the thing even boots up, let alone, you know, works kind of. And now you're getting attacked. And I realize that some projects are just messes and, you know, it's a really complex topic. I understand that. But thanklessness does exist in the industry. And trying to find someone like a a job, a, a workplace that you meld with so that you're – I'm just kind of melding all the episode together now. But if you find a job, like a workplace that you – you know, you gel with that you're passionate about. A lot of these problems will just sort of like wash off. They just like, those bounce right off. Like, oh, well, you know, who cares? I want Twitch to be a better platform. Oh, well, I want YouTube to be a better platform. Oh, well, I want whatever app to be a better platform. That's sort of what, that's sort of what, you know, is the ideal situation. You want to meld with the company so you care about it. And so that the small problems that will happen, the slog, the thanklessness, them ignoring your con- your consultations, those might just wash off or a bunch of them will. They'll just bounce off. Maybe you, maybe you're, maybe you are the one that wants to crunch a bit. Maybe they don't even tell you to. You want to crunch a bit. I really want this feature out. I really think the users would love this feature and I want it out before Christmas or whatever it is. Maybe it's you. It's that passion that drives it and finding a workplace or a project that you can work on that has that sort of drive is the ideal. The reality is that's not always the case. You might just become a cog in the machine. You might just be there for the paycheck. You might just be working on the next work order. In either case, you know, it's fine. You know, you, you can do whatever you want, but some stuff, some stuff, you know, needs to be addressed. If you're work, if you're being worked to the bone, if it's a super toxic workplace, you know, that's not great. That's not okay. You need to get that corrected or fixed or leave or whatever the situation calls for. But even in daily, like day to day work, you're going to experience these pitfalls, these traps, this dark side, if you will. And you like you have to come up with a way to deal with it, basically. And I hope that this episode kind of outlines some of it. I know it's a not a happy-go-lucky episode, obviously. But I think it's something that needs to be addressed. Something that you need to realize, especially if you're just getting into it. And I hope that it helps somebody cope with some of these issues or avoid them. Maybe you find a new job. Maybe you're like, yeah, you know what? They are putting me, putting the screws to me and putting me, put me in too many like terrible positions where I'm constantly working myself to the bone. I'm out of here. So I hope it helps someone out there. And that is my piece. I think Mike, Mike fell asleep. Did you fall asleep, sir? I'm just trying not to talk because I can't talk. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I need you to talk because I realized I didn't pull up my notes and I don't have the okay. Patreon spots in front of me. Yeah, no so, problem. Like, no problem. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, <laughs> I kind of I agree with the the ending the ending of your sentiment. I I just wanted to say that like, just because we're talking about all this negative stuff doesn't mean that the entire industry is a negative thing. It's just part of, it's just one small part of the industry. And I think it's important that if you're jumping in, you have some awareness of it. Or if you've been in there, it's, I think it's good to hear that not, you're not the only one suffering through it, right? Like everyone, like if you look at social media, everyone's super go lucky and happy about, oh, the development, I get to work on this. I'm working for Google or whatever. But in the reality is, is that there's ups and downs. There's great things about the job. There's terrible things about the job. And again, I said this earlier in the episode, when you're in that situation where there's more downs than ups, that's the time that you want to start actually looking for something new because it's not all bad out there, right? It's just some are worse than others, just like in any industry. And it's important to realize that and better yourself for it and try to get out of a situation that you could that could bring you down and burn you out, right? You don't want to get to that burnout point where you just want to get out of the industry completely. That's what we want to avoid. We don't, people listening to this podcast, imagine if we took the other approach that we want people to burn out and we want the industry all for ourselves. There wouldn't be any anyone left. Like we don't, we want people to listen. We want people to get in. If you're just starting to get in, we want you to make it. And I personally, I'm going to make as much content around trying to bridge the gap between learning development and getting your job in development as much as I can so that we have more people in the industry because that's what we need. There's tons of, there's tons of opportunity, but you need to know the negatives. Thank you for that. Uh, because I finally got my notes up. Uh, and, uh, on that, on that note, uh, it is a time to end. So we're going to run the old conclusion here. Thanks for listening. Uh, remember that we are on uh, Patreon if you want to support episodes like this. That's patreon.com slash HTML, all the things. And many thanks to our $3 tier patrons, Sean from RabbitWorks JavaScript on YouTube.com slash RabbitWorks JavaScript. Garrick from Local Path Computing and Web Design on LocalPathComputing.com. Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital on BlueBlackDigital.com. Chris from Self-Made Web Designer via SelfMadeWebDesigner.com. Tim from The Web Hacker on TheWebHacker.com. DL Ford from DLFord.io. Pip Hashash on 9BlockMedia on 9BlockMedia.com. Jason from Geek Life Radio via Geek Life Radio. Radio.com, Michael Curie from MC Web Studio via mcwebstudio.ca, Magnus from YesWeb via yesweb.sc, and uh, Jeff from Twitter via at the Rithic. Feel free to leave a comment or a review on the platform that you are listening to this on. And this outro will sign us off. You've been listening to HTML All The Things Podcast. Web development, web design, and small business. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings. And we hope you had some fun. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on social media. On Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at HTML All The Things. And on Twitter at HTML Everything. Until next time, this is HTML All The Things. Signing off.